Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Gotta love the life, don't you, man? And some of you are glad the life is walking out the door right now, aren't you? <laughs> All right. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to begin reading in verse 1. Therefore be ye imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In, in the first quarter of this year, it seems weird to say the first quarter of the year is already gone by, isn't it? But we have been blessed by having, as a church body, been exposed to studies in First Peter studies resolve in resolving conflict, studies, intense studies in the prophecy conference, calling our attention to various prophetic things, and also in, in having reminders on Sunday nights of, of the need to be serving one another, the one another things that we've gone in. And, and we really have been blessed and we feast at the opportunity to study the Word of God. But there is a danger in the Christian life that we forget our mission, that we fail to do what we were sent to do. Um, I don't know why I remember this, but when I was about the age of Gunnar and Hogan, I think exactly five years old, we lived in a little town, Garden City, Minnesota, and we were. our house was on one side of the block, and on the back side, or the front side, we were the back side, was 
kind of the little bit of a town that was there, and there was Camp's Grocery Store, General Store. Um, and one day, my mother said to me, Dennis, she gave me some money in my hand, I want you to go over to Camp's Grocery Store and get me some rubber bands. And um, I... I was the youngest of four boys. I was never sent over to camps. It was always Frank or Dave or Larry. And I thought, whoa, I have really arrived, you know. I, and and I, I, I can remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I'm holding that money and, and I walked into camps and, and Mr. Camp was there and, and I was sent for what? Rubber bands. I went over there and I said, I need some band-aids. And I put my money up on the counter, you know. And he went and got me a little box of band-aids. And I was so proud of myself, I walked all the way across there and took those home and gave it to my mom. And she just smiled. And... I didn't finish the mission, all right? I failed in the mission. She said, I needed rubber bands, not Band-Aids. And, oh, so she said, I'll call Mr. Camp, and you go back over there, and he'll have it ready. And they laughed, and Mom laughed, Mr. Camp laughed. They told the story to others. There's only one person not laughing about it, all right? Bullying took place years ago, all right? But the reality is, you know, I, I thought, what a great privilege. They're entrusting this to me. And I get to venture out by myself. I wasn't walking with Larry. He wasn't taking me over there to buy candy. I was on a real-life mission, and, and yet I didn't complete the mission. There are other missions. I always like looking at the family circus um, cartoons, you know, and they'll say, Joey, run next door and get a cup of sugar. And Joey goes out and it shows him all over the neighborhood and 30 minutes to an hour later he's finally coming in and, and where's the cup of sugar? Oh, I forgot it, you know. But I think many times as Christians we end up in similar situations. Really, the Christian life isn't all that complicated in what to do. It wasn't complicated for me to go to Camp's General Store and, and get, but I, I didn't accomplish the task. And the Christian life isn't all that complicated. In fact, Jesus Christ boiled it down to these two things in Matthew 22. He says, love God and love one another. And yet, in the Christian life, we can get so involved in doing the things that a Christian is supposed to do that we forget the mission that, that we're really sent out on. And in completing the mission that, that God has given us, that mission begins when we come to believe the gospel. 
And, and it's important for us to, to go back and understand that the gospel is good news, the gospel is salvation, and it is important for us to understand what salvation involves. Number one, salvation involves taking responsibility for the fact that I am a sinner. I mean, it's not blaming someone else. It's not blaming Adam and Eve. It's not blaming our parents. It's taking the responsibility. It's it's realizing, number one, there is a God, and God gave the law, and I have violated the law. I am guilty. Before God, I am guilty of not loving God first and foremost. I am guilty of taking God's name in vain. I am guilty in not setting aside one day out of seven to honor God. I am guilty of dishonoring my mother and father. I am guilty of of thievery in in various and sundry ways. We're not going to take... But none of us have even come close to keeping the law of God... And we have sinned and violated that law, and we can't blame anyone else. It is our responsibility that we have to take. And in in realizing that, it's, it's taking the responsibility and acknowledging the fact that I am a sinner. And then it's understanding that I can do nothing about my sin myself. The only thing I can do about it is own it. I can't deny it. In my mind, I might deny it. I can't, I can't cover it. I can't hide it. There's nothing I can do about this sin problem that, that is mine. There's absolutely nothing. The world is full of religions and philosophies that try to do something about sin. From the realm of denying that there is sin, to the realm of if you do these works, if you light these candles, if you join this church, if you do all these whatever it is, but none of that even touches our sin. None of it removes sin. So salvation, I take personal responsibility for my sin. I understand that I can do by myself nothing about my sin. And then thirdly, it's realizing Jesus Christ alone paid the penalty for my sin. We sang about God's amazing grace. To the the time that when... You and I carrying this weight and the guilt of sin that that weighs us down. We came to realize that Jesus Christ, someone shared with us. It may have been parents. It may have been um, in Bible school. It may have been Sunday school. It may have been picking up a little uh, track or leaflet. It may have been listening on the radio, but somewhere along the line we heard that God sent His Son into the world to pay the penalty, to do our time for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin, 
And we, we came to understand that. We came to the, the realization of that. He was substitutionary. He was my substitute. I was the one that was to die. But he took my place. And not only realizing it, but it's realizing I am a sinner. My sin is controlling my life. There's nothing I can do about it. And somewhere along the line, I've heard the good news. Jesus Christ died to take my sin. And then I must repent of my sin. Repent of controlling my own life. Lord, I've been running my life. I've been doing my own thing. All I've got is sin and condemnation and guilt. And I'll be separated from you forever. But I turn from my sin and I no longer want to control my life. I give the control of my life to you. And I trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And salvation is personally placing our trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. Scripture says this is the mystery of godliness. This is the mystery of salvation. It, it, all of those things are involved in salvation, but it never happens exactly the same for anyone. In some, it may take a period of years from, from them realizing and owning their sin to placing their trust in Jesus Christ alone. To some, it's a, it may be a short time. But this is then, when we have come to this point and we have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, that, that God then puts us on a mission we're not going to go into it, but there are many terms. He says you're born again, meaning you are, you are born spiritually. You have a birthday, physical birthday. That's when you were born physically. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are born spiritually. And He has a, a special purpose for you. He sent all of us on a mission. And we read in Ephesians chapter 5, He said, Be ye imitators of God as dear children. And he goes on and he says, walk in love. And he says, you were once darkness, verse 8, but now are you in the light? Put off the things of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But that is not specifically just the mission. The mission goes beyond that. He then calls us to live the gospel, that we are to, to be different, as Ephesians 5 says. We are to be genuine, to be real. We are to be Christ-like. This is the part that's involved in loving God. The greatest form of admiration is imitation. And to prove that we love God... Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we really admire or love God, we want to be like Him. We want to, to 
make it our goal daily to be growing more like Christ. And it's important that we understand that's the first part of the commands. Love God. But the second part of the command is to love one another. This this past, I think it was this past summer, was that when there were the fires out in Oregon and California? And one day I saw a picture of the fires in Oregon and, and it fascinated me, and, and I really haven't been able to get it out of my mind. And, and I'm just going to have them bring up this picture. Here is the mountain on fire. And while the mountain is burning just a short distance away, you can see that there are guys here playing golf. And there are two people over here that are watching the fire burn. And I don't know why, but this is how my mind thinks. And and I don't mean this disrespectful to the golfers or anything. I mean, if I had planned a vacation to go out there golfing, I probably would have gone golfing and said, wow, that's a crazy fire. But when I looked at that, what God just prompted me is this is what you're doing. The whole world's on fire and you're playing. The whole world's going to hell and you're playing. I've sent you on a mission. The mission isn't just to play, be like Christ. The reason we are to be like Christ is to rescue the perishing so that they could see Christ. And, and the reason we study prophecy is not to say, wow, that mountain's really on fire. It's not to say, wow, look at what's happening. It's getting close. It's to motivate us to go reach the lost. That's why God's left us here. The mission is, yeah, be imitators of Christ and put off the works of darkness. But why do we do those things? So that we can reach the lost. That We don't love anyone if we don't give them the good news of the gospel. And, and we must put the finishing touches on, on the gospel, so to speak. God didn't just save us to take us to heaven. He saved us and He sent us on a mission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want part of it is being Christ-like so that they can see. But bringing the gospel to the lost is what brings it all together. It doesn't matter how many hits you get in the baseball game if you don't score any runs. It doesn't matter how many yards you gain in a football game. It doesn't matter how many passes you complete. If you don't score touchdowns, it doesn't matter. And it it really, honestly, it doesn't matter how Christ-like we are or think we are if we don't let that Christ-likeness touch the lives of others and share the gospel that we talked about, that they come to realize, I am a sinner, I am responsible for my sin, there's nothing I can do about it. Jesus Christ alone paid the penalty for my sin. I am turning from my sin, repenting, 
and trust in Christ, it honestly, it doesn't matter if everybody votes in a conservative manner. It doesn't matter if we overturn Roe versus Wade. It doesn't matter if we do all those things and people still die and go to hell. And God gave us the mission. And this is a responsibility that he's giving us. And it's, it's completing the mission. You know, it's not going to matter if we, we come home with the band-aids box, so to speak, and we were sent for band-aids. It's not going to matter if, look at I tried really hard. I studied my Bible a lot. I, I tried to do this. I tried to be like you. And he says, Who's, whose life did you invest in? Who did you share with? Then we will know the shame. The greatest way to love others is to bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing we can ever do for anyone. And the greatest need that people have is Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's understanding this, this desperate need. We were made for fellowship with God and until that is met, the soul will never be at peace. And so, the part of our mission is that there's things that God wants us to do to complete the mission. Number one, plant the seed, the seed of the gospel. We are the seed bearers. We are the sowers that he uses in the parable of the seed and the sower. We are the ones... Every one of us need to, to look for ways and seek ways that we can be instruments to plant the seed of the gospel. That means we need to humble ourselves. We need to be humble. It's not about us. What will they think of me? It's not about us. It doesn't matter what they think of us. I mean, and I understand it comes into play in all of our lives and and all of us like to be liked, and we like to not be thought of as some weirdo and some cult member, some radical religious nut or whatever. But the reality is, this, this life isn't reality. Eternity is reality. And, and we need to understand my ministry, that the mission that God has given every one of us as believers that have trusted Him is to plant the seed, to look for opportunities. And it's not about me. Will they like me? Will they appreciate me? Will they thank me? It's not about me. And in, in, and in going about our mission, we need to understand this fact that most seed will not produce fruit. So we need to be understanding. The parable of the seed and the sower, how much of that seed that was sown produced fruit? We go out and we cast a few seeds and we say, oh man, I didn't see anything happen. No. You, you need to understand that in most cases... We may, we may not see what is happening, in part because we don't know all that's going on in the heart. In part, many people will reject it. But he didn't say, just plant it to those that 
you think will receive it. He said, I want you to sow the seed. Yes, some will fall by the wayside. He didn't rebuke them for casting it there. Some will fall on the the stony ground. Some will fall on the thorny ground. But some will fall on good ground. And he says, this is your mission. Your mission is to go and to plant seed and, and understand it's not about you. And understand that most seed may not produce fruit, but be patient. Leave the result to God. Your job and my job is not to make the seed grow. That's God's job. Some plant, some water, but what? God gives the increase. And so my job is to plant. To plant, to plant, to water, to encourage and introduce people to Christ. And and as we've heard before, help them to be one step closer to Jesus Christ. By the way I live, by the way I talk, by how I pray for them, by my interaction with them. And you leave the result. God is the one that takes care of the result. But it's important that we understand our mission To be like Christ culminates in this, in carrying the good news of the gospel to others. And this is something we really need to be passionate about. Because Christ was passionate about it. He looked over the city and he was moved with compassion because they wandered about as sheep that had no shepherd. If that does not describe our society today, what does People are wandering about. They, they have no purpose in life. They're, they're totally lost, totally confused. And honestly, yes, we, we look and say, wow, Russia and Iran and Turkey are, wow, this is, this is getting close. This is, the pieces are falling into place. And, and we see these prophecies in Ezekiel 38 and 39. I had better be used of God. God, use me today. Help me to plant some seed today. Help me to rescue some today. It's not not rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. It's not taking care of all these things. It's, God, I want you to use me. I want to be instrumental in the mission that you have given me. How can, can I be an instrument to introduce people to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that ought to be our heart's prayer and our heart's cry. We ought to pray, God, use me to rescue the perishing. God, that, that I could be an instrument that plants. And, and I don't care if I'm the one that harvests. I just want my life to not be wasted. I want my life to, to be on a mission that makes a difference, that completes the mission that you've given me to do. To, to come to the realization that every one of us as believers, if we've come to the point where we acknowledged our sin and took responsibility and realized there's nothing we can do about it and that Christ alone paid the penalty for our sin and we've turned from our sin without except you repent, we, you'll all likewise perish. We turn from our sin and trusted Christ. Then every one of us that have done that are given this mission to go share the good news. 
And we sometimes forget how desperately people need the Lord. I mean, there is no hope. I, every one of us knows some really nice people and some really good people that don't know Christ. Their niceness and goodness is not going to spare them in eternity in the lake of fire. Every one of us knows some, some wonderful people, but do they know the Lord? And, and you know what? Every day we read the obituaries and there are people that we know that, that have died. We can no longer give them the gospel. And it's understanding the responsibility. God, I want to be faithful to the mission you've given me. And help me to see how desperately, how desperately people need the Lord. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to play that song, People Need the Lord. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is the words of it will be up on the screen as it's being played. To think of the words... And um, and at the same time, if you're here today as a believer, I want you to say, God, show me in my life how I can make a difference in people's lives. Listen, it's not enough to learn First Peter. It's not enough to know prophecy. It's not enough to be at church every day. We need to get the gospel to the lost. And every one of you as believers are qualified to do that as a believer, and not only qualified, but expected to do that. And it is the only, it is absolutely the only hope that people have. It is imperative that we get the gospel. We are, we are in the process of, of ordering little gospel of John's that our goal is to put a gospel of John in every home in this community and to give them to every one of us here to give to friends that may not live in this community. There is power in the Word of God. And it's not enough for us to just... God, is, I hope you can tell, God is convicting me about this. I mean, if we really believe the Lord's return is near, how can we not do this? And to plant the seed and let God do with it what he may. But that's our mission. So I trust as you hear this, that your heart will be God burden in my heart. Forgive me for getting sidetracked and not completing the mission. And God, maybe God will bring individuals to your mind that you begin praying for. If the righteous are scarcely saved, we studied in 1 Peter. If all we are is saved, what will the ungodly do? There is no hope for them. 
you think of that as you listen to this.